0: Hello, and welcome to what I think is our third season of Sick and Wake. Zach and I, yes, we haven't been around for a while. Life got busy. I don't have a good excuse for not recording. Uh, Zach had plenty of good excuses, but we're not going to cite those.
1: What, so, I had a kid?
0: What? Another what? kid? I had another kid? Yeah, that's probably what it was. How many kids you got?
1: I think I got three now.
0: <laughs> let's, be, let's be done with it. Okay. Well... Just do a little snippy snippy and you'll be alright. <laughs> <sighs> yeah. Okay. We're here to talk about the new season of The Mandalorian. Last season, oh, sorry. There, th- This is the third season. And if you've been watching this show, you saw that last year, approximately last year, we had Boba Fett as a stand in for The Mandalorian. I'm still pretty curious why they decided to do the Boba Fett kind of tangent
1: I wouldn't be surprised if it was Pedro Pascal just getting pretty busy too I mean he's got a he's got a lot of projects True. and I mean it essentially served as a season 2.5 anyways and they there were some interviews with Jon Favreau and Dave Filoni and they kind of went and said yeah this is this is the book of Boba Fett but it's living in the Mandalorian universe I mean it's all there had they have all these shows planned like Ahsoka and I don't know if Rangers of the New Republic still happening or not, but they're all supposed to be part of this Mandover. So mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. it's a it was essentially season
0: 2.5. Yeah, it, I know Robert Rodriguez did the majority of those episodes of Boba Fett, so Jon Favreau took a timeout for sure. Pedro Pascal, we can still we can debate whether or not he's actually in the suit. I don't think he's in the suit the majority of the time. Yeah, uh, he's he's probably just doing the voice acting. Yeah, but hopefully what that means is that this season of Mando is going to be exemplary. We can talk about how we feel about this first episode maybe towards the end, but let's let's just say that it's doing a, a lot of setup. We had a lot of momentum going in or coming out of the second season of Mandalorian. Like We had a lot of plot a lot of story that was unfolding, and it was getting really interesting. It would have been nice if we hit the ground running in this season, but doesn't look to be the case so far. I almost
1: feel like because they did the season two point or the Boba Fett season, they almost had to use this episode catching people up of the things they missed if you didn't watch Book of Boba Fett. They had to do a lot of explaining of like why is he now why is he now shunned from his his people. How did we get Grogu back? Like, we, he, they had to kind of rehash a few old things that if they wouldn't have done that, you're right, they could have just kept going. Okay. So,
0: do you want to get going with the recap?
1: Yeah, yeah. So, the the episode is called, it's Chapter 17, The Apostate. And they don't tell you at the beginning, but it's directed by Rick Famiuma. So, we start on the group of Mandalorians. It looks like the same group that we saw in the very first season back in the sewers of Navarro ones that were kind of hiding from everybody but now they're in this cave Uh, they're out on this beach and what you see is a a scene of the armorer crafting a new we don't know what it is at first but it ends up being a helmet for a new mandalorian child and i really wasn't when we actually get out to the water I was thinking this was a flashback. I thought this was Din getting his first helmet.
0: I thought it was too. I definitely I thought for sure it was a flashback.
1: Yeah. He did talk like he had a, the kid had a little bit of a lisp, didn't really sound a lot like Pedro Pascal, so it's like yeah, maybe it's not him, but I really just I wasn't sure for the first couple minutes if this if we're in flashback mode or if we're in uh if we're in real time. So they're going through this ceremony for to basically baptize the kid in the in the mandalor their mandalorian way and there she's actually cupping the water out of the out of the lake to almost it's, it's, it looks like she's going to do a baptism when this super turtle gator attacks it looks like a kind of a cross between a dinosaur a, a turtle and an alligator so then the man, mandalorians that are there there's probably like 30 40 on the beach they all start fighting him but they really can't do anything to him like they use everything they've got they use their they use their flamethrowers, they use their blasters, they're using their jetpacks, they're using their, their charge, their, uh, their little mini charge grenades. They're they're doing everything, and this thing's just not taking them down. My one, like, they're obviously fighting them, but to me, the the one thing I'm like, come on, guys, is the uh, the tethering. Like, they're using their, their uh, whatchamacallit, their gra- almost grappling hooks to, like, yeah. latch into them. This you see how big this guy is? That is not going to do anything. He's just yeah. going to end up swinging you around. So, I don't know. I thought that was a pretty dumb dumb Mandalorian decision
0: there. But anyway. Yeah, well, I I, I, uh, I, thought the fighting by the Mandalorians was kind of silly and, you know, you would think immediately upon re- engaging with this giant thing that, you know, you're going to fail. It was it was not a, a winning mission. Yeah. The, the battle lasts a lot longer than I thought. Yeah. But... Who comes to save the day? Yep. So
1: we get the confirmation it's not a flashback. Din comes in and his new starfighter first blasts him with lasers kind of stuns him Then comes back around and gets him with a missile and that basically just ends the battle. So then Din lands. He goes in to talk to the armorer and this is when we kind of get the rehashing that he has been basically excommunicated from their religion because he took his helmet off. They, they talk about this in Book of Boba Fett there's a whole episode that's just the Mandalorian where they where he visits them and they go over this but i think this was just like a 5 minute recap for the people that didn't watch that he does again something she tells him in Book of Boba Fett is that if she, he go the only way to get forgiveness is to go to Mandalore and bathe in the waters in the mines of Mandalore to forgive his sins but Mandalore has been basically blown to smithereens at this point so it's not really nobody even believes those mines exist anymore but Din, he's still, he hasn't converted yet. He is still on the straight and narrow. This is He wants to be part of this religion. He wants to get adopted back in. So he says that this is what I've got to do. This is, this is my only shot. This is what I'm going to do.
0: All um, right, so I've got some questions here. Mm-hmm. One, who, do you recall who gave him that? Or he got the crystal f- from the Jawas. That's what they. So he says he gets it from the Jawas. We don't see it. Like
1: that's something that happens off screen. So it's yeah. That was that never happened in Book of Boba Fett or season two. That's just a. That was just kind of a a a device they used for him to say, yeah, there is hope. There, it might not be poisoned after all.
0: Got it. So the the traveler. Do you think there's going to be any significant significance to whomever the traveler was that? Got the crystal from Mandalorian. That's a, I hadn't thought about that. That's a good question.
1: I I don't know. It may be something somebody when he makes it to Mandalor, he ends up meeting. That's that's an excellent question. I haven't thought about that one yet.
0: Okay.
1: Okay. So so we we get done with that scene. We get done with the Mandalorians. So before he goes off to Mandalore, he's gonna got to make his other stops to kind of get some help. He has a thought in mind, so he's going to wait lock. a minute.
0: What I miss when they do the warp speed but you know wondering. I'm getting I haven't got okay. there yet okay all right. Yeah. all right
1: all right so but so he's made his mind up he needs to go back to navarro for a very specific reason which they we get to later in the episode but as we're going to navarro as we're at light speed uh, when they're in the blue tunnel gro din is sleeping grogu is awake in his little his little uh, compartment up top and he's looking out into the tunnel and he sees these kind of shadows in the, like, just outside of hyperspace. Yeah. So those are, that was a very big Easter egg for anybody who's watched all the cartoon, watched all the everything. Those are called Pergil. They're basically space whales that can travel at light speed. And in some, I, I can't remember if it's in a book or in a TV show, they explain. That's actually how light speed was invented, was people studied how those creatures worked. And we're able to invent hyperdrives based on what those creatures, basically what their studies from those creatures.
0: So question for you. What Um, are the chances that the whales from Avatar and the whales from Star Wars crossover? It is all Disney now, so (laughs) I I wouldn't put it at zero percent. Have you seen Avatar yet? I still haven't seen it yet. Oh my! Okay. Oh, um, there's a, there's a whale in there. Let's it, put it down. Okay. But uh,
1: so we see these per, Pergil, and this is this is very big. Like this is setting stuff up from the continuation of the storyline in Rebels. So at the end of Rebels, the Pergil, those space whales, take Grand Admiral Thrawn, who we got a name drop from Ahsoka in in season two. They take him and uh, and Ezra Bridger, the other main character. Ezra is a is a Jedi, or he's like a Jedi, he's a Padawan, but he can he can one of his special things is he can communicate with animals, so he's able to talk to the Pergil and basically tell them to take us away, and it kind of just saves the day at the end of it. But they're off in hyperspace. We don't know where they end up landing, but the Pergil take them somewhere. But it's this is all just kind of foreshadowing. We're going to see Thrawn at some point, most likely in this season.
0: You think um, we're going to see Thrawn?
1: I think we're going to see Thrawn in this season. I bet it's going to happen. Oh my god. I think it's going to happen towards the end of the season. That would be incredible
0: if that does happen.
1: I think they're going to do it just because I don't think... I don't think they want to save it all for the Ahsoka series. I think they want to at least... They already name-dropped him in Season 2. I think it makes sense to at least give him a sighting in Season 3 to get people pumped up to actually watch the Ahsoka show.
0: Okay.
1: So... I think because the Ahsoka show is going to be aimed more por- towards people like me who've watched everything, know er- all about Ahsoka. The people who haven't watched that, who've just watched Mandalorian, I think you need to get, get a little bit of a hook to get them in. And I think it was the same thing with Boba Fett with with Mando Season 2. You got kind of got your hook with Mando with uh, Boba Fett in, coming in as a big player in Mando and now you know, he gets his own series. So I, to me, I think they'll play it the same way. Okay. But uh, so anyways, we get so we get through hyperspace after, after seeing our space whale. We get to Navarro and we see that it has just advanced big time since huge since season one and even since season two. It's just now like this very nice like trading post city, like everything's upgraded. The streets are nice. Everything's paved. Everything's clean. Everything is just super upgraded from what it used to be. We go to the center of town and there's a statue of IG-11 there. I think he was there in the I think that statue was there in the second season, but I'm not 100% sure. But they do a lot of focusing on that on that statue so it's kind of foreshadowing what's coming later in the episode. Mm-hmm. So after we that's where he meets in that in the courtyard in front of the IG-11 statues where he meets Grief Karga, Carl Weather's character. He invites him back to his office and they have this talk about Grief is trying to offer him offer him a job, offer him land to stay in Navarro, kind of convincing him, hey, you may be an outcast with your people, but here you can basically live like royalty, so come live with us, you don't have to fight anymore. Especially because now he explains that his original mission was to take, take baby Yoda, take Grogu to a Jedi, get him trained by his people. He did that, and then Grogu ends up coming back to him. So that mission's kind of complete, so he really doesn't, Grief doesn't think he has a mission anymore, but now his new mission is to get, to, get forgiveness from his sect of Mandalorians. So that's his new. That's kind of the new mission for the season. And He tells him he can't stay because of that mission. So
0: this entire segment here, when we're in Navarro, was it necessary? What do we? What was? Do you think there's something here that's actually relevant beyond you getting? IG eleven like I mean, there's a whole se- segment section here where you haven't gotten to it yet, but we're dealing with the pirates. Talk um, a little I, bit about that. Yeah, so we so
1: after we're in grief's office, we do. Um, he gets interrupted by pirates. Basically, they just want to drink in their old bar. But we saw in season two they converted their old bar where they used to do all their bounty hunter deals. That bar is now the school. That's the school where like he left Grogu for an episode, and he. Eats a bunch of green macaroons and then throws up later in the episode. So the pirates want to drink at their old old bar. He tells them it's a school now. They're just, they they're not giving way either way. They end up shooting down four out of the five pirates. They leave the the main one alive, which is not never a good idea. Like you, sh- they should have just killed him because they you knew he was just going to take his message back to his boss, and then there was going to be a war that starts. So I think that's kind of what this is setting up is a conflict between the pirates and the Navarro of. Trying to basically, the, the pirates are going to try to
0: take back control of that city. Um, so we're going to have parallel stories going where right. Mando is dealing with his Mandalorian stuff. Yep. And we're still connected to Navarro. Yep. And, and the attacks that's happening. And I think, and that'll be
1: a tear on Din of what to do because he's still, I'm sure he still feels a connection to Navarro. But he also wants to get he wants to get his mission done on Mandalore. So he's gonna have, probably have to make a decision at some point of what's what's more important, his like his new family or making his old family love him again.
0: So I could well, I, I could definitely see that that it's kind it feels like it's setting that up. That's what I, that's what I think as well. The but the Mandalorians they're broken up into different sects at this point, right? different factions. What's going on with them? So I think, yeah, they've, they're, he really just wants forgiveness in the eyes
1: of his little faction, which his faction is a, it's a, they come after what's called Death Watch. It was an old sect that was back in the Clone Wars and these guys, it, these guys kind of spurred from them. And it, Bo-Katan talks about it a little bit in the season two. They call them the Children of the Watch. That That's like their, that's their sect. So He really is just concerned about his sect. He is not concerned about Mandalore as a total group of people at all at this point, at least in my, I don't think he is now. I think he's going to be later, later in the season, especially now that he's at the, we'll get to it. But at the end of the episode, he he has his talk with Bo-Katan and kind of, she kind of clues him in that, Hey, you've got that lightsaber. You've got that dark saber. You're going to, if you want to take control of, all the all of Mandalorians, you're going to be able to with that thing. Does he he still ha- does he still have the dark saber? He does, and he yeah he confirms it at the end of the episode with her. But he okay. he had it in book of Boba Fett, and he still has it. You don't see it on his like yeah, holster at all.
0: He didn't show it to her.
1: Yeah, so maybe he's got it hidden in his. He might have it hidden in his ship or something. But uh, we're kind of skipping ahead a little bit. The uh, so we get done taking with it the, back. We, Take it back. We, yeah, we get done with the pirate confrontation. We go back to. He tells Grief, after that, he tells Grief, I need IG-11. And really the reason he wants IG-11 is because that's, if you remember back to the original season, he does not, he still doesn't trust droids. That's why he doesn't have a droid co-pilot on in his ship. Yes, um, so, and, that. and the whole reason is because his family was killed by battle droids during the, during the Separatist War, um, during the Clone Wars. So he still doesn't trust droids, but he does trust this droid. So that's why he is very specific. I need this droid back, and he wants this. He wants to use IG11 to help him explore the surface of Mandalore to see. He's he doesn't want to go down there until somebody tests that it's not poisoned or toxic or something like that. So Got that's it. that's why he wants IG11.
0: I had forgotten about all of that. Honestly, yeah.
1: yeah so there, I, there's a lot of. I mean. This wasn't my, I'm kind of skipping ahead to my opinion. This, this wasn't, this was probably my least favorite of the season openers, but I think they did a lot of good callbacks to previous episodes without kind of just without shoving it in your face. So they do a lot of good callbacks again, but it's more like it's callbacks you have to think about. Do you not like, it's not blatantly here it is. (laughs) So he convinces grief to revive IG 11. They go back to his office, they get him revived. But he immediately reverts to his original programming, which if you remember from the very first episode ever, it was to eliminate the assay, to eliminate Grogu. So he reverts to that, and then he starts trying to kill Grogu. And they have a little chase. The chase I thought was really cool. It looked like they used stop motion animation for it. I thought it was, it, it made it more creepy to me. It was a little like, it was kind of a little jittery. But it looked just like it looked like the Terminator or something. Oh yeah,
0: wars crawling on the ground. You mean? Yeah,
1: yeah. I like that. I thought they did a really good job with that.
0: <laughs> I, I like
1: the choice of like they're still to me that means they're still doing a concerted effort to do practical effects, not just all CGI. That kind of that that laid it out to me that they're still that they're still on that train. So that was so you I,
0: can't see this, but I am actually sh- streaming the episode again and i'm looking at it right now that yeah. scene yeah and he looks like his cr- no that, that might be a human in a suit it looked it's, a lot it's like kind of creepy
1: <laughs> yeah it, look, it looked a lot like stop motion animation to me but who knows but still i mean it's still a practical prop it wasn't a cgi prop so regardless it's still i'm glad they're doing that okay okay and then we get our obligatory classic Star Wars pun of using your head when he pushes grief Karga's bust on top of him. Had to have some kind of dumb pun in there. So, But then we get to the scene that keeps all of our wives still watching this show. And we <laughs> go to the little post with all the little mini Babu Fricks. Wow. Uh, yep. So there's about three or four of them. And if you're, I mean, that does tie to the... To the uh, not the last Jedi to Rise of Skywalker because that's they went to Babu Frick because he was a droid mechanic, he they were trying to get the like the memory out of C3PO, so it, uh, it tracks that that's what these guys are doing. Uh, but the, so they start working on him. The mini, the mini, the main one starts telling him that this guy's fried, you can't get him to, or his memory circuit is fried. And... They have the conversation, if I get a new memory circuit for them, can we get him back up and running? They say, yeah, you can do it, but you're not going to find one. They don't They don't make them anymore. Uh, but we get a lot of interaction. We get a lot of funny lines from the little mini Babu Fricks We get the interaction with Baby Yoda. And that five minutes kind of keeps, I think that's what keeps the casual, scenes like that keep the casual fan happy. Because mm-hmm. to me, if that's five minutes of scene wasn't in there, I don't think the casual fan would have would have liked the episode much. That's kind of what it. That's what it felt like to me. Really, like the only we got a couple cute things with baby baby Yoda. You get him like snuggling up with with Din when they're in hyperspace. You get him like using the force to spin the the chair around in the office. He uses the force to grab a candy, but really, like there's not much other like cuteness to the show besides that that five minutes with the the Babu Fricks.
0: Well, part of me wonders whether do we need to keep the casual fans in because it it I don't know if they're gonna. Watch, anyways. After, you know, is the is the allure of Baby Yoda going to be enough to keep people watching? And I don't know if you can vacate them by sticking in other cute animals and creatures. But um, as long as we jump into the ser- the actual story, of the serious plot of the season, they can do all the cute stuff they want. Yeah, uh, I mean, just- I, I I enjoyed the Babu Frick scene. I thought it was funny.
1: I didn't think it was. I didn't think it was a total waste. I mean, it kind of served the story of. Yeah. we got we got what we have to do next to get IG 11 up and running. But I think if, if I remember right, like the, the ratings for Andor, for book of Boba Fett for Obi-Wan, they were like nothing compared to what Mandalorian is. So I think it does. I, I think the casual fan still is, is in on this series. So they still need to, I think they still need to not placate them, but they still need to give them, give them something to watch.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm hoping that the numbers stay good for this show at least, because I don't know if it's fatigue or there's other things out there. But yeah, there's been a lot a big drop off in viewership in all the other shows. We haven't seen The Mandalorian in over yeah. two years now. Yeah. So hopefully the folks will return. Yeah.
1: Yeah, let's hope. But uh, so we get done with the whole IG-11, the, the uh, Babu Frick scene. So he goes off to get in a ship and he's got an idea where he's, we don't know where he's going next, but he's got an idea of where he's going. But as he's leaving Navarro, he gets, of course, attacked by the pirate that the one pirate that he left alive that they should have just killed off. He's able to like, they have a, they have a pretty, they have a pretty good dogfight throughout the, the asteroid or the asteroid belt through there. But the one main pirate does lead him to his like captain ship, and we get the. I don't know. Looks like a guy. Looks like a guy pulled straight out of Pirates of the Caribbean. His <laughs> name was Captain Captain Shard. So he's gonna. Uh, you gotta. You gotta believe he's gonna be a big player in the whole duality, the the dual conflict with Navarro and the pirates, and then Din going to Mandalore. So, but he's he's able to. Like, he he uses the little turbo boost button that Peli built in for him in his starship, and he just.
0: He gets out of there no problem. They, he doesn't even face them. Okay, so that that turbo booster was coming like that was built in from another episode. Yeah, they season.
1: yeah when they built his they built that new ship at the end of after the Razor Crest gets blown up in towards the end of season two. It's the the episode where Boba Fed gets his armor back the next episode or two he builds this this it's an old n1 class starfighter from the clone wars but she did build that button in and i think at the end of the episode they build the button the build the the uh, it's it's not quite as fast as light speed but it's it's way faster than any speed anybody else can go so he's able to jet past all of them and then go into go in the light speed to escape them pretty easy so then we end up going to it's a a planet called I think it's Kalevala if I remember right it's a planet it's not Mandalore but it's a planet in the Mandalorian system and he goes to Bo-Katan's castle basically to tell him that he's ready to join her fight he doesn't really explain why he's now coming to say he's ready to fight maybe just because he wants to get back to Mandalore they don't really explain that much but we then we get a whole like speech from her that she's basically given up trying to take Mandalore so when we left them at the left her at the end of season two, she's going back with her crew, her the ships they stole to try to take back basically take back Mandalore, but he, she finds out that that dark saber has a lot of pull and without it she doesn't have it. Din still has it. Her forces basically just stop following her. Like she doesn't she doesn't have an army anymore. So she's basically given up at this point. Um, then she goes into this big spiel where she blames Din's uh, sect, the the Children of the Watch, for being like her, his his sect, but the other splinters also is the reason like Mandalorians don't really exist as a culture anymore. But the 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 thing with that is if you've watched any of the past stuff from the Clone Wars, she was part of that sect. She was part of Death Watch at one point. She was like a major. She was like a major general in it. So her saying that that his sect is part of the reason they don't exist anymore. Well, she used to be part of that sect too. She was, she's kind of the, the, the pot calling the kettle black there. So she doesn't really have much room to talk, but she's just kind of mopey at this point. She doesn't, she's already been defeated. She's doesn't really want to join him anymore. But even with that, Din goes and explains why he wants to go back to Mandalore. He's going to go back. He's going to search for the caves. He's going to make sure it's not toxic anymore. He gives his little speech, and she basically just calls him a fool for trying to get get forgiveness from the sect. So we leave on that. He leaves the castle, and that's basically the ending scene: is him leaving the castle, getting back into his ship to go wherever he's going next. So, wait, where exactly is bo So she's it's her. So Mandalore. There's one main planet called Mandalore, but there's also a bunch of other planets in that system that house other Mandalorian like other clans of Mandalore. That's Ooh. where her family is from is that it's called Kavala. They are not Kavala. I think it's Kala Kalavala something like that. But they actually make a mention of it in the so her sister was Duchess Satine who was the leader of Mandalore during the Clone Wars. So she's basically sister of the the queen of Mandalore during when Mandalore was still in power, but she and they they say during Clone Wars that she's Duchess Satine of Kalavala. So she's, she's back on the planet that she's from, but it's, it's kind of an Easter egg that you really gotta, like, I knew I'd heard it before, but I had to go, I had to go look it up of what that, what the name of the, what the significance of the planet was. So there's, there was a lot of, in, there was a, not a lot, but there was a couple inside baseball callbacks in this episode. I think the most obvious was the Pergill, but there was, there was this with Bo-Katan too.
0: So the interesting thing I find about all of these callbacks is, I know Favreau loves Star Wars, but I did not think he had all of the interconnected pieces from the, I guess you know what I'd call the new canon, so Rebels, all the new shows and and and, uh, and movies. So I wonder if he's gotten. The lowdown from Filoni, or is he just doing the necessary work? So his first role ever in Star Wars, he was actually a voice actor for a character
1: on Clone Wars. Oh. He, he was a voice actor for one of the Mandalorians that was in Death Watch. He was he was the he was the voice actor for the lead one. His name was Tar Vizla. So that's that's where it comes from. He's ever since then, you just gotta you gotta believe that since that episode, him and Filoni have just Stayed in touch and started spitballing ideas, and this is where we want to go with this. And that's that's where it's coming from. So he is. I mean, he may have not been deep Star Wars nerd long like 15 years ago, but once he got into Clone Wars, he became one. Okay. And he may he may have did a voice for Rebels too. I can't remember off the top of my head. I feel like he did, but I, I'm not a hundred percent sure on that one.
0: Well, the the thing I want to talk about next is I, I'm looking at the lineup, the episodes for this season. So we've got eight episodes. Each of them is getting directed by a different director. Rick he- he- he is doing three of the te- of the eight episodes. He's doing the first one and he's doing the last two. Okay. And he, I don't know if you noticed this, but he got upgraded from just a director to executive producer yeah i I did see that in the credits so he is having a lot of insight and control over like how i don't know if it's going to look is going to change or if it's just because he's directing so many of the episodes but i am curious about what's happening behind the scenes so he he directed a couple in season two and season one also though so he did he did one in season one two, and he did one in season Okay, so he did one. one.
1: But I think in the, didn't those first two seasons, they basically used a different director every episode, didn't they?
0: Yeah, they did. A, a, it looks like they did a different episode. Oh, Rick did two in the first season. Did he? But but yeah, they were they were cycling through different directors, right. and they kind of continued that, that tradition in the second season. Peyton Reed did two episodes. Oh, wow. Um, he's the Ant-Man, right? Yeah, he's Ant-Man. Yeah. Deborah Chow... She's supposed to be doing Ahsoka, she did, right?
1: No, she did all of Obi-Wan. She did all of Obi-Wan. Oh, yeah. okay, okay, yeah. okay. So she, I don't, I don't think, I, I'm pretty, like, I'm not 100% sure about this, but I bet Dave Filoni's directing every episode of Ahsoka. That's his baby. Uh, like, I, I would be surprised if anybody else directs any
0: of those episodes. Well, well I'm sure he, he is, it's a tough task to write and direct, so. Yeah. it's probably. I mean, it's probably why it's taken so long to come out. Okay, so we've got a few messages in the chat. Not necessarily questions, but comments. So, first off, I think they want to know what you're drinking. I am drinking... What did I pour tonight? It was a
1: barrel uh, store pick. It is a mix of 14-year-old bourbon and 15-year-old light whiskey finished in ruby port barrels. And it is hot. I think it's like 135 proof.
0: Ruby... Port.
1: Yeah, that's a that's the big thing with whiskey now. That's one of the popular things now is a lot of people are finishing whiskeys in different barrels, whether it's port or sherry or cabernet or merlot or rum or the real the real big one is like any kind of dessert wine. So like port and sherry's big. There's some other Mm -hmm. ones too, but that's popular. It's pretty good. It's not my favorite, but it's good.
0: The next comment was so Mando's new ship looks a lot like the ships from... From the, the the original series. The, the see, episode one. Yeah, the prequels.
1: So it's the exact same ship. It's a, called an N1 Starfighter. If you go back to episode one, it's the yellow ones that the the planet, I was thinking it was Naboo. The, the yeah. Naboo people are using to fight off the Separatists that are doing the blockade. It's the one that Baby Anakin flies around in, and accidentally blows up the Separatist ship. It's that. It's that exact same ship, and you can even see when they do the close-ups of the ship, you can still see yellow streaks like on the side where they didn't totally cover the paint, okay. the paint. The paint hasn't totally scratched off, so that's exactly what it is.
0: Oh yeah! And another comment is TJ off 1983 asked where is sasha banks aka mercedes monet or the i'm not sure I yeah. she played a mandalorian yeah she in did season two and i don't think she i don't think she renewed for
1: this season if i remember seeing that somewhere so no maybe, yeah sorry maybe she got a little too popular but i don't, well i don't think you'll be seeing her not that i can remember
0: and it was just... her and – so if I recall correctly, there were two of them in yeah. addition to Bo-Katan.
1: Yeah, I don't remember who the guy was. I don't know if he was famous, if he was from anything. I don't know if he'll be back in it, but I, I definitely don't think that Sasha Banks will be back in
0: it. Sorry, DJ. <laughs> and we got one more comment from Co- Co- Cocorus saying – that we need to watch the new episodes of Bad Batch. They tie in the new Star Wars movie into it. Oh, I've, I've watched it. That's really getting into inside baseball. But
1: So I really like Bad Batch, but the whole thing they're trying, one of the things they're trying to do with both Bad Batch and Mandalorian is try to explain the rise of Skywalker. They're trying to fill in the backstory of how the Emperor cloned himself like all the work that went into it and if you remember in season two they go into that facility in navarro that's got like the messed up clones in it mm, um, yes they have dr pershing who is a he's got the Cam patch the Kaminoans were like the really skinny long neck people that did the cloning of the clones mm-hmm. yep. in the in the original so he's he he's a cloner and that's why he's and the whole thought is the reason he's trying to get Grogu's blood in Episode One is because he's trying to get force sensitive DNA to help reclone Palpatine. Because the whole issue was that he was that they try to explain in Rise of Skywalker is that they keep cloning him, but they keep getting clones that aren't force sensitive.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So they that was one of the things with 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 trying to take Grogu's blood was try to get a clone that can be force sensitive. So. They're, I try not to think about it too much but that is one thing they're trying to do with both this and The Bad Batch is explain Rise of Skywalker which I wish they Yeah, I didn't love that movie so.
0: Well, when people come to Star Wars later on it's not like they can ignore those two movies or right. the last movie right? They need to tie it in or explain it at least a little bit so they can move on from it Right. And even though, like, I know
1: most of people either our age or maybe a little like 20s, 30s, 40s, they didn't love Rise of Skywalker. But I mean, you think about when the prequels came out, the original Star Wars fans really didn't like those movies. Mm -hmm. But now they've they've kind of grown on people and like people that were kids or teenagers when that came out even though they're not the best movies, they still appreciate them. They still like them. Yeah. So it's I, the same thing will happen. And you're right. They, as they explain things more and people get real nerdy about it, they'll be able to say, Oh, this is, this is why we use that storyline in rise of Skywalker.
0: It all connects now. So, all right. So I'm looking through the, the, the writers for this season. Yeah. And so last season, John Favreau wrote four, Six of the eight episodes by himself Mm -hmm. Filoni wrote one And Rick wrote another Mm -hmm. I think Rick's was I can't remember if Rick's was a standalone episode With with the Grumpy Comedian Oh with Bill Burr That was a good good episode too That was a really good episode Yeah that was a Bill Burr episode So this season it looks like Favreau Has either written every episode Or has teamed up with somebody To write the episode and there's two with Filoni and one with Noah or, which he is a writer from Boba Fett. So oh, okay. look out for Boba Fett in episode three. Is and, what I would, I'm saying. and I would bet my house that the episode
1: that Filoni co-wrote that Ahsoka shows up.
0: Well, there are two episodes with Filoni. So oh, okay. I,
1: we, I, I would bet my house she shows up in both of them.
0: Okay. All or right. well, either
1: either she shows up in both of them or Thrawn or Slash Ahsoka
0: shows up in one of the two. Okay, so Ahsoka in episode four and Thrawn in episode seven. Sounds, <laughs> sounds pretty reasonable to me. All right, Zach, so you have tricked me. You've Jedi mind tricked me into getting excited for this season because I had some, you know, sputtering thoughts after the first episode. I didn't think it was going to be bad. I just wasn't very excited about it. Yeah, my only like it's it had a lot to live up to with the other season debuts
1: because you think about the first one was the craziness with IG Eleven and getting the Baby Yoda reveal. So, I mean, that's it's hard to beat that.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: then the first episode of season two had another big time like nerdy callback. It had Cobb Van, what's his name? The, uh, the West yeah, the Justified uh, Timothy Oliphant's character, yeah, which he was a book, he was a book like a minor book character that nobody ever thought they would put in live action. They did. So like anybody who'd read the book was pretty pretty pumped that, that he got in there. And they, they had talked about, in the book, they talk about him having Boba Fett's armor and how he gets it. So it kind of was like, okay, this is going to be one of the storylines for this season about Boba Fett's going to be involved somehow. And then they had the reveal at the very end of that season two premiere, Boba Fett, like he's off in the distance watching him. So it's gonna it's gonna be pretty hard to beat those two. This one definitely didn't, but I think it had enough callbacks. It had enough setup for the season. The only thing I really didn't love is if you did watch Book of Boba Fett, there was a lot of rehashing of like just to get other people that didn't brought up to speed. But I mean, I can kind of forgive that because it didn't Book of Boba Fett didn't get as well watched as as these
0: yeah.
1: as this series does. So besides that, I was I mean I thought it was a, it was it was a pretty good. I'd probably give it like a. Seven and a half, eight out of ten for a opening, opening
0: episode. Okay, and yeah, I also think it's a good sign if they're not relying on gimmicks and callbacks and Easter eggs. I mean, there was an Easter egg in the in the whales, but they weren't a major part of the episode. And that means that we're going straight into story, baby. Let's yep. hope. Let's hope. So now we've got a. We're
1: either we got to go get a chip for IG-11. We got to figure out how we're getting, and that we got to get a chip for IG-11 first because he's not going to go to Mandalore without having IG-11. So mm-hmm. that's going to be the next thing is how do we get that chip? Like what? Got to start thinking like who were the, who was producing those droids? One, I did read, I not know if I read this somewhere. One interesting prediction was if you remember back from the Return of the Jedi, there was a different IG <laughs> droid, IG-88 he was a big he was a big if you ever played the shadows of the shadows of the empire game on N64 he was like one of the main bad guys in it but he was the exact same droid model so um, one of the theories is we're going to go find either the remains or go find IG-88 and have to kill IG-88 to take his no. memory chip that would be that that would get some mid to late thirties kids who played too much N sixty four pretty pretty
0: hyped. That game was so hard. God I don't think him. I got very far in it. it, it was I hope they, hard. if it's able to be played now, hopefully they there's an adjustment to the difficulty. Or I, I remember how the saving worked, but my God, that game is hard.
1: I do remember that being a very hard game. But
0: that would be cool if they
1: if they actually did that. That's really the only thing I can think of where they would get a chip like that. But they might find another
0: story, too. All right, y'all. Well, I think that is it for us on Zick and Wick. We're going to try and put these out on a weekly basis. And if you want to hear us discuss anything different, please reach out to us on Twitch and our social media. And an email list. I don't know if we still have our email set up, but anyways, we'll, we'll put in some stuff in the notes. So if you want to reach out to us, you can. And I think that's it. So from from Zach and myself, until next time, force be with you. All
1: right. See you, everybody.